0: We're going to do a a run-through of what we covered last time, which was actually a longer study, but I wanted to make sure I wasn't rushing through it. And then we're going to go to tonight's study, and I have another whole set of notes for that, so yeehaw. Oh, one thing I did want to introduce tonight, if this works, is I have a code up here that you can scan for all of this series. And also I put extra stuff on my, I made a webpage with stuff. So it's like the audio will be there when it's available. I put a copy of the PowerPoint up there and also a copy of the notes. So if you don't have the notes and you want it, you can have it. But also I put extra stuff on there. Like tonight we're going to talk about apostles in a little bit. I put a full word study of apostello and apostolos, which are the Greek verb and noun, all of the occurrences of that. And you can see different things Uh, with this one. I think I have a comparison of Luke 24 and Acts 1 that we referenced last time. So just extra stuff that we didn't have time for. So you'll be able to get that there, too. But it's a lot easier than trying to review everything but I want you to be able to have it if you can. So what we brought up a year ago, it's actually only been about a month, but it seems like a long time ago, was replacing Judas. We got almost finished, but I didn't wanna go over the time. So I'm gonna run through this. I took out all of the animations and stuff, except for the last slide that we did not cover. So let me cover this, hold on to your seatbelt. Because most of you don't remember what you had for lunch, let alone what you uh, studied on the 15th, right? So, and no one told me that. I'm the same way, right? So, so the traditional or common approach to this, should Peter have initiated the replacement of Judas? Here's kind of, and you, you can slice this up any way you want, but generally speaking... Right? This isn't intended to be technical on these. But Peter stands up, possibly as a re- result of prayer. Judas is dead, we need to replace him. Scripture says to find a replacement, let's do it. Here's the qualifications of an apostle. Here are the two that fit the qualifications. Let's use lots to choose between them. And the lot, to on Matthias, boom. Very efficient business meeting. Boom, it's done, right? Yes to the traditional approach. Peter used Scripture as his motivation, trying to identify things that actually happened, right? He tried to point back to Scripture. These men were apostles. And uh, no one in here is one. It's it's a higher level, right? Oops, I'm sorry. Matthias was numbered with the 12, it said. And no condemnation of the action is anywhere indicated. So those are arguments for the traditional view, all right? So what do we wanna look at is what do we see what's there? And again, I'm gonna go fast because I've already covered all of this except for the last slide, last three slides actually. So the timeline, the chronology is important. I'm not gonna read this, but this is the end of Luke The end of Luke and the beginning of Acts overlap. And you can see that. I've actually got a sheet out there on the website that you can compare. I kind of color-coded it and all that. Um, Not quite chronological because they're not always trying to be that chronological. But they're the same thing, the exact same thing. They they went up and Jesus was carried up into heaven. So Acts 1 and Luke 24. So right there, you're trying to just get the... The uh, timeline of this, there we go. And then here's Acts. Here's Luke, promise to the Father. If I depart, I'll send him to you. Now, this is the, the point of empowerment I'm identifying here because Acts 2 is where the Holy Spirit is given. Everyone with me on that? We, have, Pastor, covenant, in church, we haven't covered it here. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, still in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And then it actually happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 33. So that's establishing the point of time when the empowerment of the Holy Spirit happens. Again, I'm reviewing. So if something's not clear, that's okay. You might want to listen to the last one. Though We spent like an hour on this slide set here. Again, the chronology is important, the apostles' present state. One of the things you have to understand that the apostles are the same apostles that just a little bit ago asked, "Will you now, you know, uh, introduce the kingdom?" <laughs> right?" And Jesus said, "It's not your business, not your time. Your focus is to what? Be witnesses of me. Make disciples. And, by the way, how long was Jesus on earth after his resurrection? Roughly 40 days. So in this 40 days, Peter quits and goes fishing. And then Jesus has to come back, help him to catch fish, and he kind of reels Peter back in. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you even like me? Right? So... These are the same apostles in Acts chapter 1. They're still unequipped and not... Is unempowered a word? It is now. It is now. Unempowered. Here's Peter's pattern. We looked at Peter's life, but look at here. All of the things that Peter was known for. Right? And again... I think we can identify with Peter very well. We're not making fun of Peter. We're just making biblical observations. Okay, it's not pick on Peter time. It's point out what Peter was like time. And I'm just thankful God didn't record my biography in the Bible, right? The first eight are things that he did, including denying Jesus, which would have been about 45 days earlier, right? These five happened after the resurrection, he goes to the tomb, and then he goes where? Home. Sounds like, like a success in the making. <laughs> right? He goes fishing. He quits. He jumps into the sea, swims the shore. Uh, is it Jesus? Peter's timidity in the do you love me, do you love me, do you like me? And then Peter's noisiness. Well, you said I'll be faithful. What about this guy over here? What about John? And Jesus once again said, none of your business. What I'll do with him, right? So again, Peter's pattern. And the important part is up to this point. All right? Another area here that we looked at is Jesus' instructions. What did Jesus instruct them to do? We have it over here in white. Not to depart. Point number one and number two. Wait, which could include praying. That concept of waiting on God is that. Okay? So that's what they were told to do. Jesus' instructions. What did Jesus not command the apostles to do? Find a replacement, Find a replacement for Judas. Hey, while you're, while you're waiting, here's a list. He could have done that. He did not. Okay, just observation again. Also, what did Jesus himself not do during the 40 days between his resurrection and ascension? Jesus happened to be there. And he didn't replace... So he obviously didn't choose to do it. Didn't think it was necessary then to do it. Right? I think that's one of the biggest arguments, myself. Peter, his words and his actions here, I have a concern with the context of the Scriptures, okay? He quotes, so, uh, references really, Psalm 41.9, okay? And I put okay here, this could work, I guess, right? One of my friends betrayed me, that's a... that's. The psalm, this is kind of a reference to that. You know, very generally speaking. But this one here, notice all of these are plurals. And then it goes on to talk about their house. It's interesting that Peter didn't lead a deconstruction crew over to Judas's home. And it also references Judas's children, as far as we know, Judas wasn't married, right? So it's like, well, well, I, th- I think you're fishing, Peter. That's a fisherman. He was probably good at that. But again, is it possible for Peter to misapply Scripture? I would say until Acts 2, at least it is, because Peter is still Peter. And the point of empowerment makes all the difference in Peter. Okay? When the Holy Spirit comes. But he, he misapplies. He wasn't told to do it. There wasn't any good evaluation. By the way, you see this later on in Acts when James says, well, look at what the Old Testament says about the Gentiles. Right, spot on, direct, no ambiguity or anything. Right? And it's like, okay, that's the truth. This is ambiguous at best and not direct. Okay? And by the way, there's nothing here that commands him to do anything. Okay? Here's another one here. Let another take his office, let his days be few, his children be fatherless, his wife a widow. And it's like, what? That doesn't really sound like Judas. And by the way, the direct context isn't Judas. It's David, right? So the context of Scripture, and again, I don't know that you will find someone that, with a higher regard for Scripture than me. And I'm not saying that in a braggadocio way. I am not trying to undermine Scripture. I'm trying to observe Scripture so that we can rightly divide the word of truth. That's all I'm doing, right? We'll get to this. There's still more, right? One of my questions is, where is the direct responsibility for application? Where where did the, it should say, where did the direct responsibility for application come from? Peter doesn't say, here's a verse that says the apostles should point a replacement. There's nothing like that. There's no directive, no clear directive at all. There's no claim of direct communication from God at this point. Peter doesn't say I was had a dream and God said, Boy, these are misspelled this week too, huh? I didn't catch these till right now. Why not apply the verses regarding his dwelling? And I might have goofed it up because I have two copies and I edited some. Why not apply the verses regarding his dwelling, his family, and all of that? Right? It's like it's like you want to. Apply part of it, but why not? Why do you not want to apply all of it? Right? It it seems like it's very, it's a reach, I guess, is what I call it here. Here's Peter's parameters. Now the qualifications given by Peter, and again, this is all just to remind you to stir up the dust of about a month. But therefore, of these men, by the way, you can't see it in the text, but uh, I had men pray today because First Timothy. 4, Uh, 2 says, I would have men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. That's the, the word on air. We get the word Andrew from it, one form of it. But it's adult men. It's gender and age specific. So it's let of these men who, and he lists out now specifics, who have accompanied us. All the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John. So they have to be with us, start and end this time frame. One of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. By the way, none of these men met that qualification when they were chosen. Just pointing that out. They hadn't been with Jesus at all, at least not for very long. But this is interesting. I I told you this this is a historical qualification. How many people have been at the church for this amount of time? We'll let them be the deacons. That'll be us that we select them from. And it's like odd. Okay. Where did these requirements or this requirement? You can see it as one or many come from. It was not used for the first apostles. I mentioned on what basis did Peter create these qualifications? It's called grabbing them out of the air. He doesn't reference any other scripture. What is missing from the lists found in other biblical qualifications? Again, I'll summarize here, but Peter was focusing on chronological experiences. How long they'd been with Jesus. All of the other... Uh, qualifications that you find in the New Testament for leaders are on spiritual qualifications, proven character. Acts 6, they don't say, okay, choose out from among you seven men eh, who've been around for, you know, know, whatever. They, They want full of the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual focus. So again, I think it diminishes any argument for what Peter is attempting to do out of good intention. He's choosing on the wrong basis. And by the way, who God finally chose wasn't this way either, right? He was an enemy of God. I believe Pastor just spoke on that this past Sunday, okay? Does appointing someone confer the needed ability? Like say, okay, we've selected... Uh, Matthias you go do what apostles do now and like even on a natural level appointing people does not give them ability it gives them responsibility but it in no way equips them okay so that's an issue right there does appointing someone guarantee or even dictate God's future enablement? You're, you're rolling spiritual dice, not just the lot that they cast, saying hopefully God will use Matthias in the same way that he will the other people. And they had no idea until Pentecost, right, what was going to happen. Apostleship was not just a position, but it also required, and I would give you this, God-given god given Authority. You don't get that in an election. Apostleship is not an elective an election activity. Okay. Moving on. That's all I know right there. <laughs> Summarized. Blank screen there. I thought I took all the blank screens out. Oh, these these are the end. This is the end slide. Okay. That I said they're So, concern with Peter's limiting of God. Now, do you know that when you choose, sometimes you limit God? God, do you want me to go here or here? What are you doing? God has to send me here or there. That's it. I've limited God. When, if that's not required by the circumstances, I've automatically limited God. Right? Right? Limiting God to the stated qualifications. God, you can only use men of these qualifications that I just made up. That's a limit. that Peter is saying this is limited. This is a limitation here. Second, limiting God to the choice between two men. Which one, God? A or B? And you know... Who God chose? C. Right? A or B, God? This one or this one? And it's like, nah. I mean, they're both good men. No one's arguing that. But God wants to use somebody different. Limiting God to a man-selected method. I do not want to have responsibility placed on me by using lots. Right? I, I think that's. Pick one, right? Go ahead. Were lots ever used after this no. time? Yeah, no. Nope. So yeah. I think they were using in the Old Testament a couple times. They were dividing land and stuff. And lots can look like um, our dice or it could be flip a coin kind of stuff or whatever. There's different ones. If we ever study that here in the limited time we have, I'll show you some. Come on, one, you know. I don't know. But you think with two men, is it odds and evens? Is it flip a coin one side or the other? I don't know, but I don't even really like it in a football game or something's wrong. with that. I don't know. Limiting God and making man's choice work. It's like, God, we've decided to do this. Please make this work. Have you ever done that for God? You do Him a favor and you go ahead and decide things the way you want to do it and say, like, God, now bless my mess. There's a, there's a um, comedian, a Christian comedian, I guess you call him, But he talks about, you know, we do that with food. You know, it's like, Lord, bless this Cheeto so that when I eat it, it, in my stomach, it's a carrot. Right? (laughs) Kind of, you know, we want God to do the miraculous. And it's like, well, first you need to be obedient and follow the parameters of my commands or not follow your own parameters. Right? Peter defines without specific direction from God the need, the qualifications to be considered, the method of choosing, and the choices from which God must choose. Peter tried to do that before, and Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Interesting, right? Peter appears to have pulled another act of Peter. From what we see, Peter exercised, and I'm giving him this I've been there, I've been him. Right? So I'm not blaming him, but we're rightly dividing the word of God. That's our goal. Exercise well-intended but impatient initiative. Let me tell you, well, good intentions are inadequate for determining the will of God. Just because you intend well doesn't mean you're doing right. What does the Bible say? Openly ignoring clear specific commands of Jesus and improperly implying, applying unclear scripture to do so. You can't just sprinkle magic on it. God doesn't override our, and I'm not trying to use bad words, but our ignorance or our arrogance with spiritual magic. He expects us to know the word of God and obey what the word of God says. And usually we kind of want to just sprinkle prayer on our activities and say, God bless our activities. And he goes, those aren't my activities. I can't bless them. Okay? A couple of, well, four summary points here. I call them takeaways. This incident illustrates the impact of the arrival of the Holy Spirit. This is the before and then those being after as i said if this happened after pentecost we would not have studied this it would have been all done correctly okay because what happened at pentecost they were empowered that's what god had promised when the spirit came before then they were not properly connected to god they didn't have Whatever the apostles had for direct revelation from God, Peter became a master preacher at Pentecost. He's a fisherman. Right? Only the Holy Spirit empowered and enabled the apostles to serve. It appears that prior to Pentecost, the apostles were not endued with power. I think that's the Luke 24 word. To perceive truth clearly or to perform duties properly. That's my point. That wasn't what they were there for. They were told to wait, then act. Number two, good intentions are noble but inadequate by themselves. We just mentioned that. They cannot replace or override our misunderstanding, misinterpretation, or misapplication of Scripture. And I hope you memorize it, something like that. Good intentions are not good enough. It is possible to mean well while going down a wrong path based upon a wrong understanding of Scripture. Inappropriate actions are possible, even though well-intended. Fair? That's a fair statement. And again, I'm not giving personal examples, but I could. Scripture, number three, Scripture must be rightly interpreted and rightly applied to be useful for the purpose for which Scripture was written. You can't pull something out of context and say this is for me when it isn't for you. Okay? And you have to understand the context too. Uh, One of the often used ones, you know, but my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And it's like, well, he will. But Paul had just said he knows how to abound and know how to suffer. Hunger. And both of those are God providing. Right? So we we think that, well, if I buy whatever new thing I want, then God will supply all my needs. And it's like, well, number one, he did say supply your what? Yeah, I'll just go on from there. But uh, because I don't want to spend the time, but because we have limited time. Prayer will not supernaturally transform misapplication into good. You can fix what's broken, but you can't go back and redo it, right? You can start going in the right direction from where you're at, but you can't fix what you did wrong, all right? Prayer does not bypass the truth, but engages the truth. That's huge. That's huge. And that's why I encourage people to be in your Bibles. I read through my Bible every year. Not because I have to, but because it's the best thing I've ever done for my spiritual walk that I've ever done. And it keeps, I'm not a master of the Bible, but it reminds me of everything God said in his 1789 chapters every year. Just so that I know what I forgot from last year. It's not a deep dive, it's just reading through it. And I did that while I was working two almost full-time jobs. It's, it's all of 15 minutes a day to just read through the Bible. So I encourage you to do that because you can't walk with God without the truth of God. You know, you need that. So Okay, there's the summary slide again. There's the, the code again. What's it? It's called a QR. QR. I want to say UR, and it's like, oh, Kevin. You'll see this every week, by the way, too. But yeah. So being. <laughs> All right. So what I'm going to have you do is, I have another slide set. This is faster and more abrupt. There is stuff to fill out, though. So if you guys could hand these out, and then Jerry's going to come back and hand cookies out. There's the What he attempts to do. I really appreciate your analysis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't, we don't hinder God from accomplishing his work. Uh, even when we fail. <laughs> yes, yeah. It uh, d- Is that fair? I would say fail versus disobey. I think there's places there. I think where David hindered the nation of Israel, with 70 some thousand people were killed. So I. Yeah. I would probably slice hairs that yeah, way. Right. I, was thinking about the garden. I like another example. Dell is the children of Israel that God, in their rebellion, God let them spend forty years the rest of their life. So I think yeah. God's ultimate plan we cannot hinder, but God's plan for us we can choose the bad path or the right path. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's where I see it. I'm so thankful that God doesn't get rid of us, right? Right, right. Yep. No, that's very good. That's and those are good thoughts. I appreciate them. Keep bringing them up. When when the Yep. Are um, you it doesn't say. Now, the church was filled with... Right, right. So, Raleigh asked a question. He goes, when God empowered the apostles, did he empower Matthias? Now, this is a theory, and only a theory, because the Bible doesn't say. But I believe that Matthias was not the right choice, that's not who God chose. So therefore, he would have been normal. Even though he might have had earthly authority because he's now numbered with the apostles, he did not have the empowerment, most likely. So come on. Some of you have not eaten as many as... You're trying to make good examples or something. Have you noticed that? Yeah. So... Just a a quick side note. In Brazil... A lot of like school Matthias or hospital of Matthias, like they use his name quite a bit in South America. You know, like you have here Saint Paul or Saint John or whatever. They have that too. Saint Raleigh. We have Saint Raleigh. But they do have a lot of Matthias, at least. That's interesting. Yeah. And again, I think I, I I don't fault people for doing it, but I think it's a it's a erroneous assumption that he did what was right, not because he wasn't intending to do what was right, but he. Peter seems to just want to get things going, keep it happening. And we see that it wasn't until Acts 2 that God gave him all that he needed to do just that. He just needed to wait. I didn't think it was only 10 days that he had to wait. So it's like, yeah, that's Kevin again, you know. Let's kind of see it. But. Kevin? You think we cookies? Need- you want more cookies? Kevin? Yes. You need to make a second round. When you, when you get done with those two, you make a second round, okay? And then the rest are yours. <laughs> okay. Do you think we do not hear any more about Matthias because he realized he didn't have the power of the other disciples and just bowed out on his own? Um, to be fair, that's a great question, but it's all anything we say is speculation. We don't hear a lot about any of the other apostles either by name. So it's Paul and Peter, and it, you know, odds and ends, other, but it's usually just the apostles. So they're there go ahead. So you're saying that Paul was not at place. I believe that. In fact, I believe that there's no other argument for that. Paul calls himself an apostle. And this, what we're going to look at right now, will explain that a little bit. So this will... I told my daughter, it'll toenail. And it's like, no, it'll dovetail. That's what I've tried to say. <laughs> so so let's, let's do this. Um, yeah, I need a copy of this because I don't have the scriptures on the screen here. There's words to fill out, but it, you shouldn't get writer's cramp over it. So here, see the QR code? It'll be here, the beginning and ending of every lesson after this, so. So, f- Do we have apostles today? Four scriptural reasons why we believe apostles are not for today. And I will hopefully answer the question. Well, I I will answer the question in the slide. The first point covers my idea here. And I think you'll see it then, okay? Specific characteristics of apostles are not repeatable now. So that's reason number one why we don't have apostles now, okay? And that's in your uh, notes there. There's a note, little spot. This is how I do notes. I, when I was pastoring, I did it. And even the little kids took notes. They liked it. But I had to do PowerPoint. So, then I, so I figured out how to do that. So I used to preach without PowerPoint. But letter A, the apostles were personally appointed by Jesus. Fair to say? All of the others were. And that's my biggest point. Whatever Peter could do, he couldn't do this. Now, a lot of people try to use the qualifications found in Acts 1 that Peter brings up, the chronological characteristics. I don't think those are even valid because, again, they didn't meet those qualifications when they were chosen to be apostles, and Paul certainly didn't. He was chasing people to imprison them and kill them. And he hadn't spent any time with Jesus. He just spent a lot of time chasing people that had been with Jesus for the wrong reasons, right? Notice here, Mark 3.14, He he appointed 12, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Luke 6.13, And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, from them he chose, he chose 12. You might just want to underline the he part of these, right? This is Jesus acting. Acts 1-2, until the day in which he was taken up, after through the Holy Spirit had given commands to the apostles, what's the last phrase? Whom he had chosen. Okay? And then Galatians 1, Paul, an apostle, not for men, nor through man. That almost sounds like Matthias though I don't think it's an attack on Matthias. He's talking about his divine appointment as opposed to anybody else. But through whom? Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And I believe this, if I didn't show you anything else, that would be enough to say we don't have apostles today. Again, it probably is inadequate for all of the argument. But Jesus has to directly appoint. So, Matthias, even though it was well intended, is illegitimate. If that's the wrong word, you know, inert, maybe is a better word. No one was trying to do wrong, they just did. Letter B The apostles were personally known by Jesus. Is that true of Peter? He met him personally on the road. To Damascus, and I don't know if you recall, I think it comes up in about the next part of Acts 9 or further, but Paul spent three years in the wilderness with Jesus. Not physically, but being taught. This guy knew the Old Testament, Like the back of his hand, and spent three years getting all of that understanding fixed. Okay. Am I not an apostle? 1 Corinthians 9 1. Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? Okay. Letter C. The apostles were personally trained by Jesus. Still true. Right? Mark 3.14, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach over a period of three or more years. It could be three and a half years. Some people argue that. Galatians 1.15-18, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach among him among the Gentiles... I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. Hey, I'm saved! He went to where? But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. He didn't return to Jerusalem right away. It's a very small piece in Acts that doesn't, but it highlights it. But he spent three years in seminary. Sand storm seminary. Okay? Second Corinthians 12, 1 through 7. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. Paul even had more exposure, I believe, than any of the other apostles. Let me keep reading here. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He was defending his own right, right? As an apostle, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up into the third heaven. How many other apostles had that experience? You can round up to zero. He's the only one that had that. And I know such a man, whether in or out of the body. This is verse 3. I do not know. God knows. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which which it is not lawful for a man to utter. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations a thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. He had... The Holy Land tour on steroids. Because he didn't go to another part of earth. He went to the presence of God in heaven. And not only saw, but heard. Okay? And again, Paul fits all of those criteria. Matthias does not fit letter A. And I believe that's the, that's the biggest one. But all of the others are true. Jesus picked them and trained them himself. He did it. Hey, Jerry, I think you're slacking. People are dying of starvation. And you're up here taking notes about the Bible. <laughs> okay, number two here. The apostles were given... <laughs> The apostles were given as the foundation of the church. Now think about the word foundation. Right? And we'll look at the scripture in just a second. But What's a foundation do? Holds, Holds up a building. How many times do you put in a foundation? Hopefully once. Hopefully once if you've got good contractors, right? Or if you're, not, if you're expanding, then it's new construction, right? But once, you put it in once, it's what everything else sits on, okay? So that concept alone, now we're, now we're not, should Judas have been replaced, but do we have apostles today, right? We're shifting gears a little bit to letter A, to be the once laid base on which the church would be built, And I just have one verse at the bottom of that first page there. Ephesians 2.20 Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and I believe those to be New Testament prophets, that were given direct revelation from God. Again, I believe both of those went away, and we'll talk about that shortly. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You don't keep laying a foundation. The once laid foundation base letter b to be the primary channel for relaying god's truth the bible that you have was relayed by god through men to us some of it in writing some of it wasn't written down you know everything wasn't we don't have any book of elijah or Elisha, different things that people said. But we have everything that God wanted to be written down. But most of them are either apostles or associates of apostles. We can say Luke, Mark, James, and Jude, depending on who you think wrote Hebrews. Okay, so that's where we got our truth from. Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in what? The apostles' doctrine. The apostles, you could translate the word teaching. Okay? It's, it's new information not found in the Old Testament. Okay? And where did they get that? This is already in Acts 2. So it wasn't a f- everything they, that we have today, but it was started. Okay? Ephesians 3.5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his apostles and prophets. Right? So we got that information through the apostles and the associates primarily. 2 Peter 3.2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So he's looking at Old Testament and New Testament, it sounds like here, Peter. And then Jude 1.17, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. The apostles laid the foundation of the truth that we hold to and adhere to and teach today. Hopefully accurately, right? Letter C, to reinforce the truth at the beginning of the church. They didn't have... New Testament teaching early on. The uh, earliest books, we think, in the New Testament were written down 30-some years after Jesus was on the earth. So they were the, I'm trying to think of a construction tool or something, but they were the level that kept everything in line until the Scriptures were finished. Right, and while they were there, that's all that was needed, but it, it, it happened over time. Right, uh, letter C here, Acts 15:6. Now, the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter: Do you have to be circumcised to be a Christian? Right, because that's what some people were saying in Antioch. So, let's go down and talk to the apostles. We can't look it up because it hasn't been written yet, okay. Acts 16:4. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders of Jerusalem. He gave them four things. I can't remember. Don't eat things with blood. Avoid fornication. That's open to interpretation, but it might be intermarriage or something that was allowed in the culture but not allowed by God. Things like that. But there's four is all, right? But that was determined by the apostles. Number three. Number three. Number three. Oh, I must have clicked something funny <laughs> here. There appears to be a fixed number of 12 apostles. So if there's only 12 apostles, and I haven't showed you why I think that yet. You got to kick one off, the team or the island, the Apostle Island. Okay. Jesus appointed only twelve throughout his time on Earth. Uh, Mark three fourteen. He appointed twelve, and we've read that. I think this is the third time now for pointing out different things. Letter B. There's our specific number of 12 apostles in the book of Revelation. Now, this to me is an argument for a limited number here. Revelation 21, 14. Now, the wall of the city, what city is that in Revelation 21? New Jerusalem. Had 12 foundations. Interestingly enough, the word foundations is used there. And on them were the names of the what? Twelve apostles. So who are the twelve? It's not thirteen. So who are the twelve? And I'm saying based upon at least what I see in Scripture, the twelfth one is Paul, not Matthias, because of the arguments I've given. But it is either or. And Paul, without question, is an apostle. Matthias, I believe, is, again, inert, not an illegitimate. He wasn't even an interim because he, you know, because Jesus appointed it and he wasn't appointed. So what is wrongly chosen? Okay. so, yeah, figure out a word for that. But and then number four, fourth reason why we don't have apostles today. And a lot of people will argue first in this realm. But I wanted to lead from the last lesson to this lesson. The gifts associated with apostles have ceased. Why? Because they're foundational again, right? The practice of the revelation and sign gifts have ceased. Right? Acts 2.43, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. By the way, that's Acts 2. That's when it began. The apostles, it began with it Acts 5.12, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Who was doing this? Not the whole church, just the apostles. Again, they're, they're, I believe, validate and authenticate is what those were. The goal wasn't to heal everyone, to do whatever. 2 Corinthians 12. For in nothing was I behind in the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle. You might want to underline that idea. The signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Paul did all kinds of amazing things. Right? So he did them. He was an apostle. Again, we don't have a record of Matthias doing anything one way or another. We don't have by name others, just the apostles. I think the Bible simply just implies the right answer without addressing it in detail, but let it be the ending of the revelation and sign gifts. First Corinthians thirteen, eight through ten. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will what? Fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. By the way, that's knowledge that comes to you without having to learn it. Same with wisdom and all that he's just Paul is just highlighting three here. It will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which in part will be done away. Now, some people argue that that's when Jesus comes back, but there has definitely been a ceasing of gifts when the apostles ceased until the early 1900s when the Pentecostal movement came back and I believe started misapplying scripture again. And it's nothing like what the Bible talks about. So questions, comments, I've got at least a minute and a half. And you didn't some of you were disbelieving. Even after eating cookies. Questions? Observations? Was it worth the cookies? Yeah. Worth the comfort cookies, so um. Because we missed a lesson because of snow, this was supposed to be taught in December, I'm going to probably not cover decision-making and the will of God with regard to lots. We've kind of hit it on the side. What I'd like to talk about next week, and it's a deep idea, Peter talks about Joel 2 being fulfilled or at least some people say it's a fulfillment of Joel 2. We're going to talk about that and explain why we do not believe Joel 2 was fulfilled then. I'm giving you the answer, but not the reason, so. So, just to know where, you're, where we're going with that, but I tell you, you have to understand Joel 2 to understand... Well, you have to understand Joel 2 to understand Joel 2. Fair? But you have to understand Joel 2 to understand Acts 2 and you have to understand Joel 2 to understand Romans 10. Did you know that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved is a quote of Paul proving a point, not stating a fact. You know what comes before that first word? For... Look in, your, look in your Bible this week. Quote, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's proving what he just said in verse 12. Look it up. We'll talk about it in more detail next week. More cookies up here. You're dismissed.